Welcome to the Kaha Club. Roll up. Let's take a rip. Let me tell you the world is yours. Yabish. And hello, fight people. Um, I guess first things first, I'm still a little sick, so if you feel hear little snuffles or sniffles, I uh, apologize. Uh, if that grinds your gears, then you might want to stay away for the time being. Um, so got that out of the way. Uh, just a quick recap of my own personal uh, jiu-jitsu tournament I competed in this past Sunday. Uh, not too good, <laughs> is pretty much my recap. Um, overall, I went two and six in gi and no gi. I went one and three in both, with both my wins coming versus a 13-year-old. Um, I'm 25, I'll be 26 later this year. And this 13-year-old was actually better than me. I could tell right off the bat he was more technical. He knew more jujitsu than me. But um, strength does play a factor in the fact that I'm pretty much an adult. And he is literally just started being a teenager. Um, he just just wasn't strong enough. That's just it. Um rest of my matches uh even though I pretty much got fucked up the entire time I felt better as far as cardio wise and you know deer in the headlights uh I guess wise uh this fight I felt more comfortable even though my game plan uh I didn't even get to implement my game plan at all my game plan was just gonna be get on top stay on top I knew since I had been sick for the past week, I hadn't trained for the past week, um, I knew I was going to be a little rusty, um, that first match, um, kind of took, uh, took, took the wind out of my sails a little bit, because the first time even rolling or doing anything active in about a week, um, but once I got that sweat out of the way, uh, it was I was going to say it was pretty much easy sailing, but I basically lost every match and uh, got submitted several times. But, uh, you know, I wanted to get on top, stay on top. Did not happen. I was on my back the entire day, pretty much, um, except for a handful of times. I was actually, I liked my stand-up game. Um, I guess I didn't like it. I liked it better than last time. Um, hold on a second, Mike. Cat is being super annoying right now. <sighs> Hopefully that takes care of her. Um, but yeah, uh, I had no stand-up gameplay in my first tournament. This one, um, I wanted to get grips and then somehow shoot for a single leg and either treetop him over or. Uh, grab the inside of their kneecap and kind of open up and swing them down to the ground. Uh, I was able to get a handful of takedowns. Uh, one takedown I got, unfortunately, I ended up riding the guillotine choke, um, which I had been, I've been caught in by, you know, many times. And I'm pretty decent about 
swimming in those deep waters, just concentrate on my breath and um, letting the guy tire his arms out. But this dude was strong as fuck. His squeeze was tight, so I had no other choice to tap. Um, so yeah, even though you know most of my teammates, I think all of my teammates actually medaled, which was pretty dope. It was cool seeing them. Um, even though I guess the cookie did not crumble the way I wanted it to, uh, I'm still glad I went out there and competed. Um, you know, it's just another learning experience. I just know I have to get back in the gym. You know, once this fucking sickness and I'm not running, I don't have a runny nose and I'm not a walking, you know, flu bomb. Um, you know, I'll be back in there, and I'm I'm ready to get back in there. I'm ready to fucking get tried in class too. I'm tired of fucking going up against uh, white belts that are either less athletic or um not as strong as I am, or as long as I haven't been training as long. Which is no not against those guys in my gym, but. I need to start going against all the blue belts and upper level guys that uh, continually kick my ass and not be fucking scared of it, cause that's where, that's where you low, that's where you low, that's where you learn, that's where you grow. Um, so yeah, that's five minutes of me talking about my bullshit. So yeah, got my ass kicked. Uh, didn't enjoy it too much in the moment. Actually, once. Once a couple matches got going, even though I was getting my ass kicked, I was like, this is what I, I like to do. You know, even though I'm losing and I'm not, you know, being victorious or triumphant in my efforts, uh, it's still better than sitting at a fucking desk job, even though I'm not making money doing this jiu-jitsu stuff. Um, it's still, it's just fun. Um, competing is just fun. And, uh, I had a good time, a good time, uh, Hanging out with some friends, and the coolest thing about it is everyone there is so fucking nice. Even if you, you know, just got choked out by some, you know, a guy you're competing against, you know, you'll sit there for 10 minutes talking about that move or where they train or how long they've been doing this, if this is their first tournament, etc. And everyone's super nice. There's no fucking egos involved. Um, some guys are a little bit... Um, but um, that just comes with the territory when you're doing a competitive thing. Uh, you know, everyone's different. Um, but I enjoyed it, even though I got fucked up and I kind of just went through the motions. As Jocko Willick says, at least I went through the motions. <laughs> at least I just wasn't sitting at home on a Sunday playing video games, jerking off, or what have you. Um, still got in there. Alright, so the point of this episode is going to be recapping the fights that happened in Norfolk, Virginia this past weekend. Uh, headliner, or the main car, or main event was between Joseph Benavides and Divison Figueredo. This is supposed to be for the flyweight uh, uh, vacant title. However, Figueredo came in overweight. I believe he was 127 or 127 and a half. Uh, championship weight is 125, so if you don't make that, then you can't win the belt, even if you win the fight, and unfortunately, that's exactly what happened here, uh, Figueredo ended up getting, uh, a knockout in round two, about two minutes or so, um, 
Was it two minutes into the fight or into the round or two minutes left? I forget how they do these numbers. Uh, but either way, uh, I mean, Figueroa looked good. Benavides looked pretty solid in the first round. I actually had him winning the first round. He had more volume. Uh, just landed more strikes overall, but I did not, even though I gave him the first round, I did not like what I saw from him in the first round. Now, I didn't see this fight, most of this fight live. I was out at a, at a bar, um, with our teammates before our competition, uh, you know, just hanging out, grabbing some food, had a couple beers, um, I did see the knockout live. I pulled I pulled this fight up on my phone. It just happened to be the beginning of the second round, and then I saw the fucking knockout. Uh, so I didn't really see much of the first round, but I went back and watched it, uh, analyzed it. Um, although I had Benavidez winning that first round, I definitely could see, you know, in uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I knew watching it the second time that Figueroa won in the second round by knockout, so... Uh, might be a little biased on what I saw in the first round, but um, even though Benavides landed more, I had him winning the first round. All, most of his strikes were coming, like he was throwing from the hip, he was just throwing really wild and wide, as if he was trying to knock uh, Figueroa out with every single punch, which is not Benavides' game or strong suits. So I don't know why he was doing that, but um, seemed pretty much every punch he was throwing, he threw everything into it. And he was exposing himself. He was keeping his hands down and um, not leaving uh, well, leaving a lot of opportunities for Figueroa to capitalize on. And he started to, he started to time him towards the end, of, I'd say about a minute and a half left in the first round. It seemed like he started to get his timing, and especially when uh, Benavides would open up for those big, uh, big hooks and overhands. Um, Figueroa seemed to start to time his straight right, and that's exactly what he got him with um, in the second round. The funny thing is, uh, Michael Bisping, who was announcing that night, and Trevor Whitman, who was cage side, uh, given his little coach advice thing that they do, um, were both saying that Benavides was leaving himself open when he was coming in, and sure enough, uh, Figueredo timed that straight hand, uh, right hand perfectly and put him to sleep in the fight. Got the W. Um, as I said earlier, did not get the belt because he did not make weight. Um, so that's unfortunate for him. And I think it's unfortunate for the entire... Well, I don't think it is unfortunate for the entire flyweight division. Because where does the UFC go from here? Technically, it's a vacant title. Now, I see on their website that they still have Sehudo as the champion. Uh, but last time I looked, that was yesterday. So, I don't know. Sehudo's going to be fighting Aldo. Um, for the 135 belt with Aldo on a two-fight losing streak. Um, and the guy who just won the title fight can't win it. So, technically, the belt should be vacant. Um... Excuse me. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Um, I wouldn't be, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they just got rid of the entire flyweight division. I know the, I think since Mighty Mouse lost, and even when Mighty Mouse is there, 
no one's too hype about 125ers fighting. Um, I get some water real quick. <clears throat> I personally like seeing the little guys fight. Um, because most of the time they don't have a crazy knockout, you know, one punch knockout power. So they're more technical, they're more fast, they're more swift, more agile. Um, and you can see what's uh, you could see what's possible. And that's what was cool about watching uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is he was kind of like the pinnacle of a martial artist. Um, you know, pretty good everywhere, and just yeah, just fun to watch. Even though. Not knocking guys out is just fun to watch as a fight fan. Um, fortunately, the casual fans do not agree because um, they just want to see blood and knockouts and brain injuries and CT. Um, but that, it is what it is. It's is. I didn't watch a press conference after the fight, so I don't know if Dana talked or not or uh, gave any hint to what they'll do. My guess is if he did talk, he said something like, we'll see what happens, um, which is his normal response. Um, so I don't know. I also wouldn't be mad if uh, Cejudo came down and fought again for 125-pound belt versus Figueiredo. Or, you know, I was going to say I wouldn't be mad if they uh, did, uh, you know, ran this fight back, but Figueiredo beat Benavidez pretty uh, decisively, so that'd be kind of unfair to Figueredo. But like I said, we'll see. I don't know. Um, so although kind of a quick main event, still uh, it was a good fight to watch, uh, especially that first round. Um, I'm going to get in the rest of the fights here, trying to not take too much time on them uh, and wrap this up. I'll also be having a UFC 248 um, preview episode later in the week. Uh, since it's a pay-per-view card, uh, we'll have a standalone episode for that. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Um, <clears throat> the co-main event was between Felicia Spencer and Zafar, Zahar Farn Dos Santos. And basically went how everybody expected it. Yeah, so I'm looking at the UFC website right now. They literally have flyweight champion. There's no picture there. Um, so they did update that. So that's good. Um, but the co-main event, uh, went exactly how everybody went. It went exactly how I said it went in my preview episode. I said probably first round finish, uh, by Felicia Spencer. And that's what she got. She ended up getting a TKO three minutes and 37 seconds into the bout. Uh, Zahar actually didn't look terrible, I guess, uh, she tagged Felicia a couple times on her feet, just because Zahar was long and, uh, pretty athletic, uh, but when she was tagging her feet, her hands are down, you could tell she wasn't, you know, she's not a supreme kickboxer like a Holly Holm, um, even though that is her trade, um, Felicia Spencer eventually got into the cage and got, got the takedown, uh, don't remember the exact takedown, I didn't write it down, so whatever, but pretty much got the takedown right in the mount, ground and pound, and it was over from there, um, I did end up betting that it'd be a first round finish, unfortunately, pretty much everyone thought that, so the odds weren't crazy, I think the odds were only plus 120, 
for first round finish by Felicia Spencer, so I bet only fucking ten bucks. Uh, so one twelve dollars there. Hell yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure those are the only bets I placed uh, in these fights. I wasn't too confident about anything one way or another besides this uh, this match and this outcome. Um, so that being said, the next fight uh, before that was between Ion Kutalaba and Magobad Enkalev. Uh, Enkalev. And this was a good fight for all 38 seconds that it lasted. Um... Kutalab got hurt, uh, and Kalev hurt him with a head kick, but he was still there, he was still throwing bombs, and if you ever seen Kutalab fight, man, this guy can knock you out with one punch at any given moment, doesn't matter if he's rocking or stumbling or his legs or, his legs are shaking, his legs were shaky, he was definitely rocked, but that man was still fucking throwing, and it was definitely a poor stoppage by the referee, um, don't remember which ref it was. Um, I was going to throw out a name there for a guess, but there's these two refs that look similar to me, so I always get them confused, and I want to throw one under the bus and possibly, you know, have that incorrect. Maybe I can Google that real quick. Uh, UC ref for Kuta Laba versus and I didn't spell either of their names right, so... Referee was Kevin McDonald, so I thought it was right. Um, he's had a couple... Uh, he's had a couple shaky stoppages in the past year or so. And I would definitely put this one in there. I mean, it's light heavyweights, man. You gotta let them fight. Um, especially Kutalaba. He's throwing fucking bombs, like... All Magomed had to do was land one more clean shot, and he's probably he's probably done, and the fight's definitely over. But the fact that Kutalab is swinging, and you could you fucking rewatch it, that man is swinging for the fences, and if he connects on one of those, Magomed's just as hurt as he is. Um, and that's what's awesome about the fight game, man. You don't fucking ever know. So if you just... And the, the terrible part about the stoppage was... Is he didn't even stop it after he got hit with a punch or anything. Like, Kutalaba had been rocky on his legs for about a good 20 seconds. He got hit a couple times. He got hit again pretty good. He stumbled for a good, like, three seconds. And, like, right before Kutalaba and Magomed were about to throw again, the ref stops in and stops it. Like, bro, if you're going to stop it, stop it three seconds before after he got hit again. Don't fucking wait for him to walk around and be like, oh, he's kind of wobbly, da 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 Oh, come on, man. I don't know. I know in real time it's not it's not as easy. Um, I was going to say I've done some refing experience in the past, nothing close to the high stakes of a UFC octagon cage uh, and not even MMA-related. I did fucking flag football in college, uh, did some high school baseball uh, umpiring. So, um, you know, you look on TV and be like, oh, how – how the fucking umpire not call that safe or out? Or how's that not a ball? How's that a strike? And I have so much more respect uh, for all referees in every uh, walk of life, every sport. Um, trying to deduce in real time what happened, slow it down in your mind, and make a call, um, you know, in a split second so that you're not 
delaying the call or making it look like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Um, it's an art in itself. So even though I am kind of shitting on Kevin McDonald here for a bad stoppage, and everybody is, um, it is a hard gig. Um, I can't say I would do any better. Uh, I could say I could probably get let guys get more CT, um, but that's not a good thing for a ref. You're supposed to protect the fighter. So um, I I hope they run that one back, um, and I hope pretty. I was gonna say I hope pretty soon, but Kutalaba got uh, got rocked a little bit, so he might have a little medical suspension or whatnot. I'm not too confident on how that works, but um, the next fight of the night was between Megan Anderson and Norma Dumont. Excuse me. Uh, I was looking forward to this fight because I knew. Uh, I don't know. I'm just a fan of Megan Anderson. I think it's just because she's six foot and could kick my head off into the stands. And she's tatted up. Um, I got a little crush on her ever since the first time I see, saw her fight in the UFC. Uh, it was versus Holly Holm, and she got ragdolled. And uh, Holly Holm took her down and just controlled her on the ground. But um. I don't know, I've always had a crush on Megan ever since then, and she's Australian. Siri on my phone has the Australian accent, um, so I don't know. Alright, my bad about that stoppage, um, I'm not really sure, talk about early stoppages. <laughs> I'm not really sure where I left off at, uh, I believe I was talking about Megan Anderson versus Norma Dumont, um, and then my alarm for me to wake up and go to work and all that came on, um, but I woke up earlier than it so I could do this. Um, so yeah, apologize for that little early stoppage. Uh, I might have put a fucking uh, sponsor in there or commercial or ad or whatever just to break it up. Um, but we'll see. Um, but anyways, Megan Anderson looked good. Uh, even though you know I thought this would be a good test for her. Norman Dumont's mainly a jiu-jitsu fighter, but... Uh, I saw a couple of a couple of her regional fights. She had pretty good stand up, but uh, she was clear, clearly at a disadvantage in the size and the reach. You know, she was five nine, whereas Megan is six foot, uh, six foot cook, kickboxer at that. Uh, Norma Dumont in the beginning of the fight came out strong and gra- got uh, Megan against the fence. Kind of held her against there. Uh, tried to take her down a couple times. Tried to like hip toss her, judo throw her. Um, but Megan has clearly been working on her grappling. I could hear her uh, her coach and her cornerman, James Kraus, uh, in the background giving her solid directions, and she seemed to listen to everything that uh, he said. Uh, so she's well coachable, and she's definitely improved uh, in the grappling arena. Um, she, uh, once she defended well, she separated. Uh And, uh, blah, 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 she separated, oh, yeah, you know, hit her on the feet a little bit, and then time that straight right, pretty good, it was a flush straight right, uh, knocked down Norma, you could even say knocked her out, I didn't think she put her unconscious, but it will count as a knockout, about three, three and a half minutes in the fight, uh, so good finish for Megan, uh, I believe she got a fight bonus as well, um, and she pretty much called out Amanda Nunes for the 145 pound title. And supposedly Nunes is wanting to defend that title. And with Cyborg now in Bellator, uh, there's not too many contenders. There's literally only Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer for, uh, that are like 
I think, on the UFC roster at 145. And to be honest, you're not trying to dig jabs at Felicia Spencer. She could go down to 135. Um, if you watch that fight, she's a little... She's got 10 pounds to lose. Now, I don't know what she's walking in, you know, what her cage weight is. You know, she might weigh 160 at fight night, but uh, I guess I'd have to see him on the scale weigh in and see. But, I mean, I think she could be a 35er and have great success at 35 instead of trying to wrestle uh, these larger girls. Um, now, since Megan and Felicia are really the only two 145 female fighters, um, I guess it has to be one of them two versus Nunes, even though I don't really want to see... Well, I don't want to see Felicia Spencer versus Nunes, only because I think Felicia's striking is so below Nunes that it would not be a fight. Um, it would just be Spencer shooting for takedowns as Nunes is pounding her face in. Now, you never know till you get the fight there, uh, until you lock the two ladies or the two men in the cage and they go at it. Um, but that's how I personally see it. You know, Felicia Spencer had a hard time getting inside on Sahar uh, Farn Dos Santos, who's, you know, she's not the level of Amanda Nunes, clearly. clearly. Um, so, I mean, if she had a hard time getting in on her, and I say a hard time getting on her, it took her like a fucking minute to get in there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking for sure. Um, but if you want to say who made the best case that night to fight Amanda Nunes, I'd say Megan Anderson, uh, even though... I mean, she's the only one that's on a winning streak, only because Felicia Spencer fought Cyborg her last fight, so she lost that. Uh, Megan Anderson fought the girl that Felicia Spencer fought. Megan Anderson fought Zahar Varn Dos Santos her last fight, got her a triangle choke, um, and then fought Norma Dumont on her UFC debut. So it's not like she's fighting world beaters either. Um, but I think the fact that she got a one-punch knockout and in the post-fight interview in the cage Biz being asked if she wanted to fight Nunes she, Megan Anderson you know smartly asked the crowd and the crowd fucking had a pretty good reaction to that um, and if I know Dana and I know the well, I don't know Dana but if I know Dana from his media personality and uh, the UFC if the fans are about it then they're about it um and I think, you know, Felicia just didn't make a good case for herself afterwards, you know. Bisbing asked her in the cage, you know, the basically same question he asked Megan, you know, Nunes wants to come back, fight that 45-pound title, you know, what do you have to say for that? You know, do you think you made a good case for yourself? And all Felicia Spencer said was, I made a perfect case for myself and smiled, and that was it. Which I, I get it, she's a nice girl, she keeps it short and sweet but she needed to say more there she needed to especially for fans that don't know you know her her I guess you I was gonna say her fight history she's only had nine fights but I don't know that she dominated Megan Anderson um what Felicia should have said was yeah I made the perfect case for myself tonight sure Megan Anderson's on a winning streak and she just got a knockout but I easily disposed of her within round one by just hugging her and, you know, grappling her. So, 
if me if you say Megan's the top one and I beat Megan, then I should be the top one. She should have said something like that. Now I know Felicia's really nice and she doesn't like to shit on people, but that was her chance to fucking just throw a little salt on the wound. Um you know, and just state the facts. You don't even have to be mean. You could be like, Well, Megan looked good, but you know, I beat her in the first round. Uh pretty decisively too. It wasn't close. Um so, I don't know. Um, like Dana says, we'll see what happens. <laughs> now, the last fight of the main car was between Grant Dawson and Derek Minor. Um, ended up ending in the second round of rear, via RNC, rear naked choke from Grant Dawson, about a minute of 30 in. Um... Let's see, where are my notes for this fight? No notes, because I was watching it with friends at the time, so I didn't want to seem like a fucking nerd writing the book um, while watching guys punch their face and verse each other. Um, now, I did give the first round to Grant Dawson. I thought he had won that round. And if I remember correctly, he kind of just controlled him on the ground for a majority of that round, so I gave it to him. Came out in the second round, did the same, got that... Got his back, got the choke, uh, finished the fight. So good job to Dawson. Um, he's a young guy. He's 15-1, and one, so that's real impressive. Look forward to seeing him, you know, later on in his career or what have you. Um, we'll see what time I've got so far. So that's it for the main card. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just breeze through these prelims, and I'll go ahead and put that. I mean, if you're listening to this now, you already know I put that in earlier. Um, after the fucking early stoppage of my recording. Um, so yeah, let's start with the prelims. Uh, the prelim headlining prelim fight was between Gabriel Silva and Kyler Phillips. Um, now I joked on the preview episode, I was uh, rooting for Kyler Phillips because my name's Kyle and her names are pretty close. Um, but I was, I was kidding, but also not kidding at the same time. Um... When you don't know both fighters uh, too well, you kind of find little stupid things like that. Like if you were a, uh, a cat, if you were, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but it's like if you're a, you know, I had to put somebody else, I had to put myself in a woman's shoes to even have a thought experiment on this. So it's a little tough, but if you have a little imagination and still have that little kid's, kid instinct in you, you can... You can imagine things, guys. You can have thought experiments that aren't real. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like uh, imagining that you're a woman and you you know, have a boyfriend or husband or whoever. You go to fights and you're like, oh, I like that guy because I like his hair. Or I like the color trunks he's wearing. Or I like, or I like the Broncos because I like their colors or whatever. Or I like... The Broncos, because their quarterback's cute, or what have you. Um, so sometimes I find myself kind of doing the same thing um, when I don't know the fighters too well. Um, so that's all I'm saying here. I was subconsciously rooting for Kyler because his name is kind of like my name. Um, and he fucking showed out, man. He had a really, really good fucking fight. Um, all three, this ended up being unanimous decision, 30-27 in his favor, Favor um, actually scored it pretty much the same, except I gave a 10-8 in the third round. 
I'm a little more uh, lenient on 10-8s. I think they should be given more often. I think if a guy... I think if one guy does not, quote-unquote, score in my mind at all, and the other guy, you know, is pushing the pace, easily scoring continually, then that's a 10-8. If you get dominated around, you don't you don't do anything positive in a round, that's a 10-8 round in my eyes. Unless the other guy's just like... Even if, nah, I mean, even if the guy's just holding you on the ground and hugging you, you know, he's not looking to pass, he's not even grounding and pounding, um, you know, I'd prefer he would try to pass or, you know, at least punch you or at least attempt or make it look like he's going for submission, at least trying to advance the fight, you know, closer to the finish or what have you. Um, you know, uh, it's a fight. If you can't get up, you can't get up. And you can't get up because the guy's not going to let you get up. That's just how it is. Um and that's legit. If you can't get up, that's your fucking problem. Um, so I think if a guy takes you down in the first 10 seconds and then holds you there for the rest of the round, that should be 10-8 round. Unless you're throwing up submissions from the back, you know, doing some Tony Ferguson slicing elbows off, off you know, in your guard or, or what have you, attacking submissions, then I think it should be 10-8. Um, I'm going to go through my notes and you know, kind of back up my little statements. Uh, first round, I had Kyler winning, movement, volume, more damage. It actually hurt him a couple times. Uh, Gabriel actually had a nice uh, single leg trip, uh, but not enough to win the round itself. Second round, uh, Kyler ended on top. Uh, he had better transitions and positioning. It was a lot, uh, a lot of grappling that second round because I think... Uh, Silver realized he was going to get pieced up on the feet. Uh, Kyler was just too athletic and just, uh, I us say flashy. I mean, he was a little flashy, but not not flashy to where he's doing back unnecessary black, I was going to say black flips, <laughs> unnecessary back flips. Uh, like we had, uh, I forget his name, but the guy that fought Diego Sanchez uh, two weekends ago. Uh, he's a little flashy, but he's also more uh, dynamic, that's a better word, uh, on his feet. I think Silva realized that, tried to take it in his domain, uh, his jiu-jitsu world. And he quickly realized Connor Phillips is fucking better than him in jiu-jitsu, too, uh, I believe. Is he a Car- Carlson Gracie guy? I can't remember. Uh, they said it during the broadcast, but he's a Gracie guy. One of the Gracies. Um... um and you could tell his fucking grappling was solid, uh transitioning was solid it seemed pretty much no matter what gabriel did he ended up in a better position he kind of was always a step or two ahead and that was if you just want to see grappling that's all you care about fucking watch the second round of this fight it was, it was very entertaining to watch i enjoyed it um but i thought uh i thought phillips even though uh silva took him down a couple times that round, I thought Phillips uh, won the transitions and control more and dominated more. Um, wait, hold on. I just jumped to a different fight on my notes. Sorry. Um, yeah, my bad. Whatever. Uh, round three, Kyler dominated. Silva never stopped. You know, he was continually working, but was pretty much defensive and didn't score any points in my eyes. I'm okay with a 10 9 uh, round, and I expect everybody to give that a 10 9 round. But it, again, I said uh, I'm a little more lenient in 10 8s. I think they should be given more often. I think if a guy does not score at all, 
that should be an automatic 10-8. Um, unless the guy is clearly stalling. Um, but even then, I think, you know, what is stalling? I'm sure everyone out there has an answer. I have an answer as well. But even if a guy is just holding you, you know, say a guy is on top half guard, even if he just holds you there, that's that's your problem, man. You got to get out. Uh, it's a fight. You know, I don't think ref should stop in, step in and be like, okay, get back to the feet. You know, unless a guy's stuck in a guy's guard and they're both exhausted and it's fucking like watching two white belts roll. Uh, or compete, you know, my first tournament, that's basically where I was, I was stuck in somebody's guard for the entire match, Uh, I'm sure, it was boring for me to compete, so I'm sure it was boring to watch, but it is what it is, Um, good fight, good performance by Kyler, I definitely look forward to uh, seeing him fight again, Uh, fight before this was between Brendan Allen and Tom Breeze, first time Breeze has fought in about a couple years, think a little less than two years (coughs) so it was uh interesting to see if you'd have some ring rust i don't know if you had ring rust but um uh brennan allen went out there and took it to him um see what do i have in my notes here it was a first round tko so not too many notes to be had um brennan allen got him out there with punches four minutes 47 seconds in um, I don't have any notes besides that since in the first round. What do my tallies got? Uh, tallies I had four nothing for Brendan Allen, so I didn't have uh, Tom Brees scoring anything significantly in my eyes. So, uh, saw a performance by Brendan Allen. We'll see if Tom Brees comes back uh, when he'll fight next. You know, he did get finished the first round, so might be a little while, but uh. Maybe performance can be chalked up to ring rust, but I think uh, Allen just went out there and took it to him. Had a good performance. A fight before that was a heavyweight fight uh, between Marcin uh, Tybora and Sergei Spivak. Um, you know, I've seen Tybora fight a handful of times. Uh, I've known the name. Um, uh, I haven't seen Sergei fight, but he was, you know, the younger fighter, younger, taller, longer fighter. Uh, so I thought it'd be a competitive match or a snooze fest. Um, but it wasn't really either. Um, Spivak did land, you know, his, his strikes here and there. But I thought uh, Tybor pretty much uh, controlled the fight, especially uh, second and third round. Um, I'll go through my notes here to, you know, try to recollect what happened. Uh, round one, I thought... Uh, I. Well, I gave all three rounds to Tybora, uh, so I scored it 30-27 overall. Uh, judges in the fight had it 30-27, 30-27, 29-28, and actually started the 29-28 to remind myself that I didn't think that was valid and that judge should be looked into. Um, but round one, I thought it was pretty even on the feet, but then Tybora got the takedown and controlled him for two-plus minutes, so I I don't see how you could score that round for Sergey unless you thought... Um, his strikes were so much more damaging than Tybora's that it negates a takedown. And I put two minutes plus. I think it was closer to three minutes of ground control, which is a long-ass time. Um, so I, I gave that round to Tybora because, um, like I said, even on the feet for two minutes or two and a half minutes or whatever, 
So if it's even on the feet and then the guy takes him down and controls him for two or three minutes, it's that guy's round. Clear in my eyes. Um, come second round, Tybora got takedown, back control, and, you know, pretty much just controlled him. So you got to, you know, had him win in that round. Uh, round three, much more the same. Um, and I even wrote in my notes, one judge scored a 29-28, underlined it, started again. See, I don't know who that judge was, but he should be looking to... Now, can I uh, can I Google that too? UFC judges for Tybora versus uh, Spivak. We'll see what comes up. Mm. Going on MMADecisions.com. Oh, this is kind of cool website. It's the first time I've seen something like this. So Brian Costello scored at 30-27. Uh, let me see. Make sure it's the right fight. Yep. Um, referee Bill Bookwalter. Cool. Uh, Lisa Kular. Uh, of course, it's the fucking... I don't want to be that guy, but of course, it's the female. Uh, Sal Niamato scored at 30-27, and Lisa scored at 29-28. She gave the second round to Spivak. That doesn't make sense, man. All the media scores from all the website. That's so cool. This is a dope website. MMADecisions.com. Shout out to you guys. This is a dope website. Uh, it has the tail of the tape. It gives you, you know, the event, the decision, the referee, uh, all judges' scorecards, including their names. And they have media scorecards from each, uh, from each uh, kind of uh, fighting website or media website or what have you. Um, and everybody in the world had a 30-27, but Lisa, Lisa, how do you score for a guy when he's being controlled on the ground for the entire round? And when the guy has his back? Oh, somebody look into her. Look into her. How'd she get the job? Of course, you know, whatever. Um, Whatever. That being said, the fight before that was between Luis Violent, Violent Bob Ross Pena and Steve Garcia. <coughs> All three judges scored this 30-27 by unanimous decision for Luis Pena. Uh, I scored it the same way. Go through my notes here. The, um, this is actually the first fight of the night that I saw live. Um, I missed the first couple prelims. Uh, I think I was cooking a frozen pizza at our Airbnb. <laughs> But, um, wow, I didn't write too many notes. All I wrote was Luis Pina ran into a triangle in round three. And then he eventually got his back. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I don't remember too much of that fight. But he did uh, win. So, <laughs> good job. Uh, I've always been a fan of uh, Violent Bob Ross. Uh, it's just a great nickname. Uh, he's got a good style, uh, and he has a good story too. I believe his family was. He, I believe he was. A, I don't know too much about his background, so excuse me if I'm wrong. I've just kind of been picking it up secondhand off of commentators and what have you. But um, either was an orphan or adopted early. It is a childhood. Um, 
And somehow he's now reconnected with his family, his mom, his brother, and they were there at the fights. Uh, so that was cool to, uh, it's cool they were experienced that and that they're kind of reconnecting. I'm kind of curious how they lost connect in the first place, but you know, everyone has their own stories, has their own shit they're going through. It is what it is. All you can do is move on and try to make things better uh, for everybody. Um, and that's for all walks of life. Um, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to give life advice here. Um, so, yeah. And I guess he had a moment in the cage with his brother, which was kind of cool. Um, and I, I supposedly his brother said, uh, you know, when Luis got caught in that triangle, he thought, his brother thought for a second he might lose, and he was like, oh, fuck, I might have to go, you know, take my Tims off and stop this, or stop this guy out or something as well, uh, so that's kind of cool seeing, you know, your long-lost brother has got your back after he just lost, or potentially may have lost a professional fight, uh, what else could you want from a brother, um, so that's pretty cool to hear. Uh, fight before this was between Jordan Griffin and TJ Downtown Brown. Uh, it was a good fight to watch, especially if you like jujitsu. Um, let me go through. Well, this fight ended uh, round two by a guillotine joke for Jordan Griffin. Uh, three minutes and 38 seconds into round two. And he actually got it from, I want to say bottom side control, if I remember correctly. Got a guillotine choke. And he put him. He put TJ Brown to sleep, which is fucking impressive. Um Let's see you. Do, 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 do. Where are my notes for this fight? Um, I don't have too many notes for this fight either. I think I do. Round one. Um, round one, I actually gave the TJ downtown Brown, and I wrote he had relentless takedowns. Uh, so he kept taking down, uh, taking him down, and yeah, controlling him, I guess. And then round two. TJ got the takedown again, but he wasn't ready for uh, Jordan Griffin's guillotine from bottom side control and put him to sleep. Now, I've been caught in a guillotine from bottom side control. Uh, most of the time, able to get out of it, especially versus other white belts. But uh, my instructor, who's a brown belt, who should be a black belt, um, has caught me in it a handful of times and does not feel good, and I've had a tap. I have admittedly tapped from a guillotine from bottom side control. It's a legit technique, especially if you know how to do it, especially if you're good at guillotines. Um, my uh, my coach's uh, specialty is kind of guillotines and foot stuff. Um, so yeah, you can. It's uh, definitely a finishing move, and it but it, it was pretty cool to see they put the guy out to sleep. Um, wasn't expecting that, and I don't think. TJ Brown was expecting that either. He's probably like, oh, he's choking. I'm in side control. No fucking way. Next thing you know, he's waking up. The referee telling me he lost the fight. Um, so, yeah. If you're if you're interested in seeing that technique, I'd say go ahead and watch, watch that uh, second round of this fight. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, fight before this and the second fight of the night overall was between Elon Cruz and Spike Alpha Ginger Carlisle. Now, I this is Carlisle's uh, UFC debut. I've seen Cruz, I believe, maybe in the Contender Series. Uh, I didn't see this fight live, so I didn't know the outcome until uh, you know I I caught it later. I ended up watching the fight. Um, 
And Cruz looked good. You know, he looks good on his feet. He's long. He's um, he's tall. He's long, and he's athletic. He looked he looked like he had good movement, and he was uh, you know, keeping uh, Carlisle distance where he wanted him. Um, so I mean that first round, well, the first round in TKO, so never mind. Um, I'm trying to find my notes. My notes are all jumbled here because I watch fights and, you know, I caught like half of them live and then watched another half like later on in different orders and stuff. So my notes are all over the place. So apologize, but, um, Alpha Ginger's a fucking alpha, man. He's fucking powerful. He only threw a handful of strikes, but that's all he needed. Once once he had him hurt, too, he did not let go. He tagged him pretty good. Cruz did not like that, got against the cage. And then fucking Carlisle kept pounding on him while he had his back against the cage. Um, eventually got the finish. Uh, a minute and 25 seconds into the fight. Or is that left of the round? I don't know. But uh, the Alpha Ginger pulled it off, and like I said in the preview episode, if he had a good performance, I was going to send his information along to my Ginger friend. And I did. I sent him a picture along and said, this is the Alpha Ginger. And later on, I called my friend the Beta Ginger, because I said, you know, you know, by deducing, you know, if Spike, the Alpha Ginger, Carlisle is in fact the Alpha Ginger, and he just proved it on national television by knocking out another man in a in a fucking cage fight. Um you know, my friend can't be the Alpha Ginger, so by default he's the beta ginger. Now he said he'd rather prefer the Omega Ginger, but I said he has to earn that. Um that's just me being an asshole friend, but it was fun. Uh first and last fight I will be well first fight of the night. Last fight I will be uh analyzing for this episode, so you guys can stop hearing me talk. <laughs> was well, between Sean Brady and Ismail Nardiev. Uh, Scorecards, judges had it. Uh, unanimous decision for Sean Brady, 30-27, 29-27, and 29-28. Um, curious to see how judges scored that individually round by round, too. Someone looked that up as well. Where can... Decision. Wow, this MMADecisions.com is dope. You can search decisions by event, by judge, or by fighter. That's pretty cool. So I'm just going to go to event, last one. Uh, Brady versus Nardiev. Fucking Lisa Kohler again. Um, How did I score the fight? So I scored it... I scored it 10-9, Ismail, first round. As I said, Ismail came out strong. He's backing his opponent back. Um, I thought just landed a little more, and I thought mainly the Octagon control won in that round. Um, you know, Brady was putting up a fight, but he didn't do too, too much that first round. He definitely landed, but uh, I gave the nod to Ismail that first round. So did Brian Costello and Chris Lee, but Lisa Kuehler did not. She gave to Brady. Um, second round. 
where my notes go. There they are. Uh, but I even I even wrote in the notes, I'm not mad if you gave it to Sean Brady that first round. Um, I just kind of, eh. Not mad, not upset, just like scratching my head like, eh, okay. I guess if you're a casual fight fan, maybe... But Nardia won that round, in my opinion. Uh, so that's two bad, bad uh, round scoring by Lisa Kuehler, in my opinion. Um, but like I said, can't be mad at that one. Come second round, second and third round, it was pretty much all Sean Brady. He, once he realized he had the grappling advantage, he got the takedowns, uh, did some nice little ground and pound. Uh you know, and just kind of got got uh got the win from there on out. He, I'd said B did not score in my eyes, so Ismail did not score in my eyes in that second round. So I gave it ten eight. Sean Brady. In third round, it was even more dominating. So if I gave the second round ten eight, then I got to give the third ten eight for sure. In my eyes, third round is definitely a ten eight. I don't care how lean lit lenient you are or aren't on uh, scoring I think that should be a 10-8 round he completely dominated him um, and Chris Lee agreed with me gave him a 10-8 uh, Lisa and Brian did not um, so judges the decisions were pretty close uh, let's see what media scored it. so I guess if I scored it that I didn't even calculate that like I didn't uh, whatever so that's 20 18 plus, what was 18 plus 8? I had to do fucking math now. So that's 26, 29. So I did 29, 26. Um, media score, some guy, one guy had a 30, 26, which I could, I guess I could see. So that means he gave the first round to Brady, and then the next two he gave 10 eights. Um, he was the only guy that gave 10-8s for those two, those last two rounds. Um, half the other media scores had a 29-27, which I kind of agree with that. So that means they gave Nerdy of the first round, and in the last round they gave 10-8 for Brady. Uh, and everyone else gave a 29-28. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that is the last, last Least last, <laughs> that is the last fight of this card. The first one that actually happened. Last one I'm be analyzing. Uh, like I said before, I'll have a preview episode for UFC 248 Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero coming out in the next couple days. Got to do my research uh, on these guys a little bit, and then I'll be producing that. Um, yeah, enjoy your guys' day, nights, whatever. You're doing, enjoy it, love it, and stuff. (laughs) Peace, love you.